Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the weekly show. It's brought to you by Levi Solicitors, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball to get your 10% discount on your legal fees. Dan, Michael and Rob with you today on episode 254. The first part of this is where we rattle through the latest Leeds United news and we're going to start with a quick plug around the Gary Speed anniversary. Obviously, we lost Gary Speed 10 years ago at the age of just 42. A lot of feelings have been stirred up over the past week. Before we sort of deal with that side of things, we've got an event at the Holbeck this Sunday night. Obviously, we're playing Brentford. After that, we've got an event to raise money for mental health charities. We've got Hayden Evans down there. So if you saw the Phil Hayes show the other week when we um, spoke to Gary's former agent and um, one of his best mates up until his death, it was really good one. It was really informative. Always good to to hear from Hayden just to, to humanise a footballer because often we don't, do we? So it was really good to hear from Hayden. He's going to be there with Popey, Adam Pope, on Sunday, 8 o'clock, the Holbeck. If you want to go to that, go to slunglow.org and then go to the What's On bit and you can get tickets for that. It's only a fiver. Money's going to charity and it'll be really, really good. So if you're knocking about in Leeds on Sunday, go to that. So yeah, 10 years has passed. We have just had um, Simon Grayson confirmed for that. Is that well. correct? Oh, ex- well. exclusive. So there are. there's now an extra, a bonus person there. So uh, he's, I suppose he's um, been wrongly fired, hasn't he, Grayson? Once again, he's, he's left. Uh, he's left his job there. So yeah, but he's going to be there. Obviously, he'll have um, played with Gary as well, won't he? And he's uh, yeah. signed on the same day, didn't he? I think. Yes, in his in his younger days. So yeah, it's really good. It's it's um, slung low to everything. Pays your field basically. So I think it's a fiver, but it's for, it's all for charity. So um, put yeah. more in. We'll put be down. There. In, yeah, we'll be can. down there. We'd love to see you down there. I think Michael's going to be drinking. So um, he's going to tell you how we're going to get relegated. <laughs> I as booked well. uh, a travel lodge in Leeds. So I mean business. Yeah, I mean, there was a point at which you were debating whether to go cheaper than that. When you what's the, tra- what's the travel lodge cost you? It was thirty three quid. Right, a bit extravagant is that, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. That's the, the cheaper of the two travel lodges. Uh, okay, <laughs> I didn't want to go for the premium one, did I? Down by Beebe's. What's the? Is it the Discovery Inn that's um, by the stayed scab- there before? Scout well. taps. I've stayed there before. That's yeah. That is bleak. That is a little. That is an odd place. If you're an out of town fan who uh, who hasn't got somewhere to stay and has ended up in the Discovery Inn just by the station, it's. Uh, yeah, describe it in a word. Bizarre. Like, I remember <laughs> there's like loads of different stairs and lifts, and you have to walk like you it's get like, in one lift, then you have to walk along and go up another lift. It's like and... several buildings all uh, stapled together, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's very odd. But... but um, yeah. Anyway, back to back to the thing about Gary Speed as well. And we've been saying on the podcasts and and shows around this that if there's one good thing to come out of what happened with Gary Speed, it's that it's just opened up that conversation now, and it feels like we're so much further forward ten years on than we were when Gary Speed died. I mean, it was a massive wake-up call for me, personally. I can remember just being so shocked and waking up on that. It was a Sunday morning, wasn't it? Because he'd done Match of the Day or the Football Focus the day before. Mm. And we saw that um, really poignant video 
from um, from Dan Walker, wasn't it? Who um, mm. posted footage of that day, and that Christ, that got me as well on the day of the anniversary. I think it's one of those things with with things like this. People often don't maybe give it sufficient consideration until something directly affects them. And even though you know everyone affected by Gary Speed, very few of those people actually knew him personally. I think we all kind of felt like we did, and so everyone had a bit of a, I guess, almost a bit of a stake in it in this as a as a thing, and it, it maybe changed people's perceptions of it from being something that happened to other people and that something that happened to people who were, you know, well, it's kind of unhappy with life or whatever. All of a sudden, you were like, "But that's Gary Speed. He's Gary yeah. Speed's great." Well, you, you, when Look you at him. when you are in the public eye, you, you become public property to a certain extent, don't you? Whether you want to be or not, and I think that's probably the case with you know, Gary because he was manager of Wales and. He was on football focus and then suddenly he's gone. I didn't, I didn't realize that um, he was 42. And I mentioned that before. Like, and you know, you see patterns in these things. And I've sort of mentioned in passing, I've, I've always, I struggled when I was 42. So last year, it was around when we got promoted in the summer of 2020. I was at my worst when I was 42. And I hadn't realized this until the anniversary came up this time around. And I saw that he was 42 years old. And it just, I don't know why it just chimed with me because you, you, brain recognises mm. patterns or sees coincidences doesn't it and uh, I was not in a good place that summer and actually getting promoted Leeds getting promoted was part of the thing that um, that lifted me out of it it's uh, yeah it's I don't know it just resonates really closely because uh, suicide is just a huge killer of men under 45 it's the biggest in the country isn't it so if it's opened up the conversation and I don't mind talking about it on here I mean I never got anywhere near thinking about suicide but having dealt with depression and anxiety then it's quite close to home just knowing that he, he was suffering and he, he couldn't talk about it and he couldn't externalise it and we saw what happened and it was just the, the worst outcome imaginable. I remember being down at the um, at the ground shortly after it happened kind of leaving people leaving flowers I've actually found a copy of Square Ball with him on the front and I took it down and there was people like press there and media and stuff trying to do in, trying to kind of get little chats with fans and even in saying I don't want to do it I nearly cried to the person <laughs> who was there they were like do you want to say a few words and I was like I know I can, thank you. And it was, I think that's how, I think that's how people were about it at the time and still are about it now. Like 10 years on, you would think it had kind of, it might have gone away a little bit, but it's one of those things that I think still really affects people. And obviously we had Hayden in who is, who was one of his good mates, but you could tell reflecting on the whole situation and on memories of Gary, it was all just so difficult for everyone still. But it's, um, yeah, like you say, I think some good has come out of it in the way that people now talk about stuff you saw that in the interview in the athletic that alan shearer did with lots of his former teammates who played with gary speed at different clubs or countries and just how they were kind of able now to open themselves up and be vulnerable i guess is is kind of a sign that they could talk about that now which i guess in the past and they are all that age range which you were talking about which stereotypically Mm. struggle with that kind of thing yeah as we say the conversation has opened up i found the reason why i don't mind talking about it is because it helped me deal with it at the time because I told you, I told Phil and stuff when I was, you know, going through this stuff. Like I was I ended up referring myself to therapy because I just, I thought I cannot carry on feeling like I'm feeling right now. This just something isn't right, and I felt like I was going to feel that way forever because I thought this is not who I used to be. So I ended up referring myself for help. Thankfully, and it worked, and it worked quite quickly for me because I was a fairly mild to medium case as it was diagnosed. So yeah, keep talking and you know keep drawing attention to it, and if things aren't right just talk to your mates and reach out to your mates and speak to them you know that that text where you just send a text to a mate you are right it counts for so much doesn't it you don't always realize i am now in a, in a whatsapp group with like my mates I kind of went to football with and while it is mainly like being absolutely people being absolutely awful in there and slagging off tyler roberts 
there are the question is regularly asked, like everyone all right? Yeah. And people do talk fairly openly in there about stuff. And I don't think that would have happened without Gary Speed yeah. necessarily. So it's it trying I think trying to find trying to find progress in something bad, I think is, is what we're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, and it's you know it's brought up things like Andy's Man Club, which is one of the charities that we're supporting because you may have seen the announcement. If you haven't, we've got the video on YouTube. It's uh, referred to on the website. We've got a, a short podcast episode that me and Michael just knocked together a few days ago. A little eight-minute explainer of the charity walk that we're doing in May. So it's the back end of May. Go back and listen to that. 92-mile walk. Cause don't, it's, but don't sign up for it. You don't want people <laughs> to sign up in anymore. <laughs> no. How many people have signed up? Um, I've got the spreadsheet here. And we're showing an interest, not signed up. <laughs> well, these people who are saying they want to do it, how many were you anticipating when we did this? Well, if it's you ninety-two say, miles, it's a long way. Yes, yeah, so you're walking from North Wales. It involves several overnight stays. North Wales, Gary's first football pitch back to Ellen Road via the mural. Uh, two hundred twenty-six people have signed <laughs> up. <laughs> we can't. Two hundred twenty-six people can't do it. Is the um, the bad thing about this now? Because great that everyone wants to do it though, but I'll, we'll have to find some way of doing this because I don't know what it is. I, would, I, kind of, I kind of thought we'd have a problem in that maybe like 60 people might want to do it and that would be you know, logistically a bit difficult. 200 and 225 plus um, is becoming a bit of a problem. So we'll, we'll get back to you on that. If you signed up, thank you for expressing an interest. But shit. I, do you know what? It is, it's a great demonstration of, of the power of the messages, not our message, but just this notion that Gary Speed was such a high-profile figure who took his own life, and we need to keep talking more, raising money for good causes. The amount of interest is huge, it's, and it's brilliant. It's one of those things that we've probably, we could have, if we'd have done a different 92-mile walk for a different charities, I think, yeah. I think we would have been in more of the ballpark of 30, 40 people signing up. We've gone, this is for Gary Speed, and everyone's gone, yeah, I'll do that. It's fine. I never, I've never walked more than a mile before. Never mind. I'll have a go at this, because it's for Gary Speed. So um, it's brilliant. But um, we'll, it's we'll, also a problem. It's also a problem. <laughs> so yeah, we are raising money for it. It's Andy's Man Club and the Samaritans. We're going to split the money uh, between mental health charities and it's going to be a good laugh. Rob, are you coming along? Uh, I believe I've good. been signed up, <laughs> which I didn't know about, but maybe. Yeah, yeah we, we should have hopefully. We are going to, at this point, as we mentioned on the, the other podcast, we're going to be working on stuff like funding, sponsorship, transport. It's all yeah. going to get sorted now. Now we've got, we know that we've got a, a huge amount of interest. Uh, it'll be probably coaches rather, rather than minibus, won't it? But um, we're going to, document the whole thing as well so it's after the end of the season we'll take recording equipment with us uh, phones you know all that sort of stuff and we'll get video we'll get audio we'll turn it into a show so you can kind of join us along the journey and see how much we suffer and um, see how much of a mistake we make going into the final day <laughs> as I said on that show my birthday is the final day so let's hope that we don't get shit faced going, <laughs> going, going into the final day which is a what twenty mile walk from Huddersfield to Leeds or something? Yeah, that's a small bit. That yeah, that's the easy part. But um, yeah, thank you if you have expressed an interest. We will get back to you. Is about yeah. the size of it. And in the meantime, come along to uh, come along to this event. It's yeah, uh, yeah slunglow.org slash shows. Is it slash shows? Yeah, that'll yeah. take you to the uh, to the page where you can book tickets and yeah, cheap beer there as well, which yeah. you know. <laughs> That's why you're going, isn't it? Always worth considering. Yeah, so yeah, Hayden Evans, Adam Pope, and now Simon Grayson confirmed as coming along. So please do come along and show your support for that after the Brentford game if you're knocking around in Leeds and Holbeck. And there should be a few people around because we're playing Brentford on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see what Angus Kinnear says in his programme notes for Brentford, which I presume are uh, being penned <laughs> at the moment. There's been a bit of a hoo-ha about the stuff that he said in the programme for Palace. Quite a lot of criticism of the fan-led review of football governance. What do you make of this? 
because there are bits of this where I read, and, and you know, I should say, like at the start of this, I like Angus Kinnear. I found him really engaging when he's coming here and spoken to us. And you know, we talked, we've talked before on the show about the pint test. I can have a pint with Angus, no problem. Some of this I don't agree with. Some of it I do, and I have sympathy for it. But I don't know. It just I don't know. Some of it feels misplaced. Do you think? There's a lot of self-interest in it. I think is the is the thing that you need to look at. It, these criticisms are not necessarily unfair in all cases. The stuff he's saying about how independent regulators are not always great, that is true. But then equally, industries do tend to always want to regulate themselves because they know that's how they can get away with more stuff. Yes. Like if, you ask, if you ask any banker, do you think banking needs more regulation? They'll say absolutely not. If you ask a gambling company if they think that gambling needs more regulation. We'll regulate it ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Cigarette people would be like, no, it's fine. Stop getting involved. We'll tell people it might be bad for them. It'll be fine. The problem for me, I mean, I, I get the, because um, he mentions the government and, you know, we don't need to get into politics, but I don't have a great deal of faith in the present government to organise oversight of football or oversight of much, to be perfectly honest. But I think the message is fairly clear. This is a fan-led review and fans don't trust football to regulate itself. That's what I, I took from the report, which I've read all of it and yeah broadly agree with pretty much all of it and it is fan led it was con- done with consultation with fans so fans don't trust football enough to look mm. after itself I think um, yeah he doesn't quite know his audience here does he I don't quite know who this, who these notes were intended for really because they're in the programme which you sell to fans and they've put them on, on the website which is unusual for the fans to read and you're taking aim at a fan led review which maybe isn't the wisest idea I don't know it's, it seems it seems strange to me and it's weird because I think Leeds Leeds are quite good at staying quiet a lot of the time and I, and I know some people get frustrated with that um, I don't mind it to be honest but then when they do tr- seem to try and grab the narrative a little bit it seems to go awry and we end up in Myanmar or mm. Radrazani calling for a breakaway from the football well, league let, well let's address like let, let's address that because I've pulled the quotes from interviews he did around so it's three years ago now so um, back end of 2018 when we were in the championship and he said, uh, we need to consider another way to create a Premier League 2 that can be sustainable, even for the teams who are not promoted. The time is uh, getting ready to consider what to do so we don't have a crisis every two years when a club go bankrupt. All the clubs should open a discussion to see how we can change this league so it's sustainable. So there's an acknowledgement there, it's no sustainable, as Steve Nicholl would say. All right, That runs completely counter to what Angus Kinnear has said in his programme notes, that football is actually dead sustainable in this country well what has changed in the two to three years three years sorry since we uh, saw that interview the only thing that's changed is we're in the Premier League and now we've got a much larger slice of the pie but we were in the Football League calling for a, a bigger slice of the pie there we wanted a redistribution of wealth three years ago because we didn't feel we were getting enough and now we're getting more than enough we don't want to redistribute the wealth it's self-interest unfortunately and I think the club comes out of this looking hypocritical and I do have sympathy for the position because, you know, do we want too much interference in football? I'm quite pleased that Derby's chickens are all coming home to roost right now because it feels like they were financially doping their way to the playoff final. And we uh, abided by the profit and sustainability rules when we were in the Football League. So credit to the club for that. On this, though, I think they've got it wrong. And the Radrazani thing closes out by saying, it's not for me. Hopefully I'm going to, I think he's saying it's not for me to regulate. Hopefully I'm going to the Premier League very soon, which we were but it's for the sport and the fans and the clubs. So Andrea Ratrazani said it's for the sport and the fans and the clubs. So the fans have had their say and said, we don't trust you to run football. And this is not you as in the people at our club. I think they're pretty decent. Mm. But football as a whole, and yet 
since we've got in the Premier League, we're now being told the opposite message. I think as well, it's trying to make an argument essentially that the regulations that have worked, been in the past haven't worked because as Leeds fans, we've seen this, the, the owners and directors test, fit yeah. and proper person, whatever it's been called over the years, has given us Bates and GFH and Chilino that we've had to suffer through. But the, I don't feel like the argu- the correct argument is therefore to say, well, don't have any more regulation then. The argument is to say, we'll just do better do better regulation if that if that is the problem and just saying Kinnett makes the point that well all these clubs have survived it's like well yeah that is true and they do survive but ultimately clubs survive they go through as Derby will probably find out clubs go through a a spend and then bust cycle and then at the bust cycle is when fans pay all of their money to get them get them going again it's not that they're only sustainable because people are unwilling to let them die it's not because they're sustainable as businesses, because mm. they're not. They're sustainable on the back, on the on the face of it, that people will will always just continue to support them. They have the knowledge that you can be as bad as you want as a team, and a certain number of people will continue to give you money, and that isn't a business. I, th- I mean, I think to give it a bit of context, I think football is moving towards, and in the football league in particular, is finally moving towards self regulation because the tightened, you know, the tightened up all the uh, financial regulations around around fair play, profit and sustainability. Let's like say they're, they're finally getting some teeth with clubs like Derby. So we are, I think we are getting closer to a situation where they're less risk averse and the regulations are actually starting to count now for clubs. But is it enough? And is there enough in there that's going to fix the problem as a whole? Because is, is there a problem with there football? Is, there, is a, there is a problem and it's of... I, the way I see it, if, 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 admittedly, the way I would like to restructure football would involve completely tearing up the existing structures and stuff. And obviously, the club would be completely against that because it would mean that all the money we have earned by being promoted now would be kind of gone. But like, I would, I would rather have it so that the Premier League isn't so cut off, and it isn't a case that relegation is less about a sporting sanction and more about oh, we've lost all our money now and we need to try and get back in there as soon as possible. Like in, I feel like in the old days, getting relegated was bad because you had to play worse teams and you got to go down, you had to drop down a league and you had to try and get your way back out of it. But the money wasn't so ridiculous that it was a case of, well, we're, we're knackered now. Like, whereas it feels like now it's it, the money is everything. It's more than the sport is. Well, I mean, this is the thing as well. The, the thing that's at the root of this is the gap between the Football League and the Premier League which is exactly what Radrazani was speaking about three years mm-hmm. ago that's that's the truth of the matter isn't it that that huge huge disparity and doing something to make football make that less of a problem because you're you're asking for I mean look at what Newcastle so if Newcastle go down this season they're going to face huge financial challenges next season because they'll have a massive wage bill they'll have parachute payments but even still they've still got to comply with all the profit and sustainability losses well, they have, but they'll just they'll what they'll actually do by their way straight out is assume they're going to get out straight away, make sure they do, and then it's not a problem. Well, so that that brings us back then to um, the parachute payments. So let's imagine a world in which Leeds United do go down this season. I think Leeds United would take the parachute payments, don't you? <laughs> Rather than reject them, because he's talking about clubs. Is uh, Kinnear talking about clubs being self-sustaining? Well, that's not self-sustaining, isn't it? Is it? It's it's taking the parachute from the Premier League in order to survive. So the existence of parachute payments, they argue, is what shows there is a problem with football finance because they want to do away with them. I don't think for one second that Leeds United would turn them down. So, and I'm pretty sure in the in the championship, weren't we arguing that we should have been, only should be allowed to put more money in? Well, that's the point I was making yeah, about yeah. the profit and sustainability stuff, yeah, like which it, makes yeah. them more likely to be 
unsustainable. <laughs> Essentially, in the short, as soon as that money is withdrawn, it makes them instantly unsustainable, doesn't it? So it's, yeah, I would, um, as I said, my ideal version is completely tearing up ownership structures and, and league structures, which is clearly not going to happen. So it feels like any any kind of review would be playing around the edges of, of things anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Well, let's face but, it, this is not going to go anywhere, is it, anyway? No. These things never do. You get recommendations, everyone pats each other on the back, and then everyone ca- everything carries on broadly as it was before, or you get watered-down versions of it. And as, as, as Kinnear's pointing out, you know, it, these are privately run companies in a privately run organisation. Which is what I do have sympathy for. Like I say, Derby have been badly run. We had our turn of being badly run and we paid the price for it. They're paying the price for it. So it, it is self-regulating to an extent, but the slight difference is that, you know, clubs are community assets. And as you say, Michael, it's always the fans who ultimately end up stepping in and bailing clubs out of the shit, you know, yeah. like Bury and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not the, the people who cause the issues are never the ones who actually pick up the the, the problem at the end of the day are that it's, it's people who still want somewhere to go and watch football on a Saturday who go well in that case I suppose we'll have to start another club and we'll start again in the in the conference north or whatever and it's it's for those people that it is that it's bad um, and that they would like if you're a Bury fan you would be able to say well clearly something has gone wrong here mm. I guess can it, the point Canary is making is well is, this wouldn't make any difference anyway to those teams but then maybe if ownership was structured properly it would with a bit of, bit of oversight and then you force them because the point he makes is about you know they'd have blown all their money on Pavel Chabitsky anyway, which that to me is an admission of part of the problem. Then mm, is mm. that okay? You might send some more money down the pyramid, but also enforce tighter financial controls than we have at the minute. It's notable he didn't use John Kevin Augustine as well as the uh, example <laughs> in, for that punchline. <laughs> exactly. Well, never heard of him. Uh, Eddie Nketiah is where it's at. Would you take Eddie Nketiah because he's turned down an Arsenal contract? Looks like he's going to be leaving in the summer. Oh, we moved past that. Has that ship sailed now? Would you have him back? I suspect mm. it hasn't sailed enough for lots of clickbait websites to start linking <laughs> us uh, with him constantly for the next six months. I wouldn't particularly be in a rush to re-sign him, would you? Probably not. Did he fit? I think we'd still have to pay some money for him as well, wouldn't we? Because he's under 24. Yeah, so I think we'd end up we'd end up still forking out for him. Joffy's the future, isn't he? Eddie's old news. I think so. I mean, he's he went back to Arsenal, didn't he? Because he wasn't getting any game time with us and there's not it's not played since then. He's he's no scored goals in the League Cup, but that, that was quite so a big what? mistake, wasn't it? Really, you from, know, with, from us or from them? With the, well, the, uh, well, just it didn't it didn't benefit us obviously because we ended up with uh, Augustine and um, he didn't get the game time and he's just kind of fizzled out at Arsenal. Whereas you think maybe you know you stick it out for another six months or whatever mm. at, at Leeds and at least you know lay a marker down and show that when you're playing regularly you can score regularly because he was putting a few goals in. Well, that's that's the weird thing about these loan moves where clubs want guaranteed minutes because they're sending young players out to be learn how to be proper footballers but part of being a proper footballer is being out of the team and trying to get back mm. into the into the team whereas he comes to Leeds he, you know he probably maybe could have had more opportunities he was a twisted bollock away from getting a run of games but it didn't happen so then rather than see whether he can fight it out and be a proper footballer they just call him back and he's sat in their reserves for two years or whatever Ah oh, well And he was I mean he, he was <laughs> In the brief time, he scored some important goals. Really, mm. he scored with mm. Brentford coming up. He scored the winner in that, didn't he? Which was, you know, when you look at how the the season ended, that three point swing over Brentford was probably key, at, you know, in the running. And then he got um, came off the bench at Barnsley, didn't he? And was mm. scored an important goal there. So I don't know. He was good for us, but whether or not, you know, he's, he's going to be twenty three at the end of this season. Too old. Yeah, well, he's not. Can't go in the under twenty threes, can he? Then he's not. If he's twenty three. That's not a young player anymore. No, though. it's not. Twenty three. No. You need to. Be, you need to. Have, I'm glad that he's leaving though, because Arsenal would probably just keep hold of him otherwise. Mm. <laughs> and then 
he'd be there. He'd still be having the same problem at 26. He'd be like, oh, I've still not got any games. Speaking of the 23s, they played away at Man City and we got Pat Bamford back, played the full 90 when he wasn't necessarily supposed to, but injuries forced their hand there, didn't they? And uh, and Luke Ayling. So good to see those like back into the fold now. And we were winning and, and we lost. He looked really good, did Bamford. Yeah. I thought he looked he looked very much like Pat Bamford of old. There was yeah. not not I didn't particularly think he was rusty. Admittedly he's playing against, you know, a, a under twenty threes reserve team. But they're they're a very good under twenty threes in Man City, it's worth saying. You know, they they've had essentially a decade of unlimited money to invest in youth development and it's you can see it's kind of worked for them. Mm. And that Man City winner, I haven't seen this, but Klassen made a mistake, didn't he? It wasn't great, was it? The ball he actually played all right. He made a few decent saves, which how he has been playing recently was a, an improvement. But then, yeah, right towards the end, it looked like he'd gathered. I don't know if it was a shot or a pass. Now mm-hmm. I can't quite remember. And then suddenly the ball had squirmed free, and they'd scored in the last minute. And yeah, as much as we're talking about January targets for a midfielder or a striker or things like that, maybe a, a grown-up goalkeeper. Bring in a thirty-six-year-old yeah. journeyman goalkeeper. <laughs> he does worry me every time I've seen him. I have to say, I know there's a the caveat of it being under twenty-threes, and it doesn't matter in his learning and stuff. But then you when you do think he's like a, a broken finger away from being in our in our first team for several weeks and there's a lot at stake it's kind of worrying because we don't want those parachute payments do we baby <laughs> <laughs> no uh, right on to um, something about us so forgive us for this indulgence we were nominated for the FSA awards again weren't we which is like the 10th or 12th year on the on the bounce did we yeah. win we didn't win we didn't win but thank you if you did nominate us we didn't expect to win this one did we we were in the we were in the fanzine category this year we won the podcast one last year which we weren't in this year and we didn't attend. But Reese Lowry, who's one of our illustrators, he attended on our behalf, didn't he? And he seemed to have a jolly nice time. He did. With the with the freebies on the table. And uh, Graham, Graham Smith of the yeah. YEP was down there. They also didn't win. Um, <laughs> I mean, admittedly, they were up against like the Guardian in their category, which is kind of tough competition. I mean, it's a Guardian Award, is that one? They've won it every year. Yeah, I think they have won it for like eight years in a row now, <laughs> yeah. Newspaper of the Year or something. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, nice to be nominated and all that. And uh, I love Supreme, the, uh, the Sunderland fanzine, which... You know, it is good. I remember in, in the very early days... I was going to say, we, we had a good look at that, didn't we? Yeah, in the very early days, I think it was like after we'd made one issue of Square Ball having taken it on and I was shopping around for other fanzines to kind of see what they were doing. This was in the 2009 era where I, I think I was doing the design for it at that yes. point and I didn't know I self-taught based on YouTube <laughs> tutorials as, as you can do with anything in life, really. Yeah, so it was, it was a basic looking thing, wasn't yeah. it, to begin with? Uh, a far cry from the sort of magazine now, but we did get a copy of that and go, oh, okay, you could do this sort of stuff. That's yeah. interesting. So not we um, inspiration, not stealing. Inspiration. Yeah, we uh, we. I suppose it changed our opinion slightly of what fanzines could look like because yeah. Square Ball had been very basic before, and then it, this looked a bit more like a normal magazine. And I think from issue two or three, then it kind of went a, a bit more that way. And then some professional people got involved <laughs> and made it look a lot better. Um, but as Billy Bremner said, you get out for coming second, so we got no YP didn't get out. Well, they got a free piss up, so that's fine, isn't it? <laughs> Sort of thing, sort of price you like, Michael. Exactly, but yeah, next year. There's always next yeah, year. Yeah, and congratulations to a love supreme. That's the point there as well. Very, yeah. uh, very worthy winners. So fingers and, uh, crossed for next year. They need something, don't they? Sunderland at the minute. <laughs> they're even, they're even more mired in League One than we were. So I think they've done their time now. I'd let them out, to be honest. Little Lee, let him free. Busy old week at Square Ball Towers, and we are not done yet. We're going to be back in on Thursday to record the Phil Hay Show, which will be out on Friday. Our podcast that we do along with the Athletic with Phil Hay and we're going to hear from Phil on uh, Angus Kinnear's programme notes as one thing I know one thing he wants to talk about as well is something he hinted at in his um, match report for the Palace game which was like the scale of the job that faces Leeds United next summer assuming that we stay up big job 
assuming we stay up. <laughs> well, on that, Phil will be talking to us about um, the points haul, how right he probably was about these last two games with Brighton and Palace, and hopefully beat Brentford on Sunday. And everything's looking rosy, isn't it? It is, and Phil can give a nice, um, a balanced and grown-up view on Brentford as well. <laughs> Rather than us children in here. It is, we are far more grown up on the Phil Hay Show. Yeah, we try. And you can read all Phil's stuff, his thoughts on what happened against Palace on The Athletic. Use our sign-up code as well to get a 50% discount. Theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In this bit, we're going to preview Brentford at home on Sunday. Due to the tight turnaround of the games this week, obviously we had Brighton at the weekend and then we've had Palace on Tuesday night. It's now Wednesday afternoon that we're recording this. What's the Brentford preview looking like in our notes? Um, Rob? <laughs> now, you know, we, we, you know we, forgot, we forgot to put Palace on when we previewed Brighton. What's happened it's again? Happened again, on it? Yeah. <laughs> So we are going Too to many games. We're going to assemble this plane in midair, me, Michael, and Rob. I mean, uh, <laughs> let's be honest. The prep is is a few screenshots of who scored.com and us slagging off some things about it. And we can do that without any yeah. prep. So. so Thomas Frank, Pontus <laughs> comes back. Jonathan Douglas is good in their midfield, isn't he? And yes, of course. Dallas. Too many Diagaraga. Diagaraga. I forgot his name. Dave. Then. Dave, of course. Yeah. Yes, all the great the great Brentford lads that we've had over the years. Um yeah, they're really good, aren't they, apparently? Well, they're, they're going to stay up comfortably, according to the pundits, for the, from the early weeks of the season. So uh, while we uh, <laughs> buy ourselves some time, I'm just going to look at the Premier League table and see exactly where they are. How did we end up having a rivalry with Brentford? We didn't. We didn't. It's just because they were near us in the table and they thought it was a thing. Yeah, but, I find it weird. And Thomas Frank's a gobshite. We called him out on it. And that's about the extent of this so-called rivalry. There is no rivalry. Okay. Good. That's the end of that. I mean, there was the nice bit when they got promoted and Pontus in his post-match interview on the pitch all started about talking about Leeds, which <laughs> yeah. is nice. That's his yeah, deeper rivalry. It's like, it's like he, uh, he, he's, it's the ex that he can't let go of, isn't it? <laughs> Split up with her, uh, but just cannot let it go. He started talking about Bielsa, didn't he? <laughs> but you're married now to somebody else, Pontus. Yeah, but you know, he's I, very I, much, you know, I left her. I he's left very her. much still thinking of the ex during, isn't he? <laughs> Clearly. It's like, I know I've been, been promoted with Brentford, but I'm just going to imagine this was Leeds. So let me just look Think at how the, much better it would have been. The midweek fixtures. Now they're playing on Thursday 
which um, feels a little bit mean. Good. That's something for uh, our mate Thomas to have a moan about. So they're playing Spurs, although it's um, still London. So they're playing Spurs away uh, on Thursday. They're the 7.30 kickoff, though, not the 8.15, because that's Man United Arsenal. And then 2 o'clock on Sunday. Are you in favour of 2 o'clock on Sunday kickoffs? Nah, not really. No. Although it's better than, you it's know, better than half four. Yeah, or, in, or indeed quarter past eight, which <laughs> did feel a little bit too late last night. So Brentford, have uh, they've played 13 as it stands at the minute. Won four, drawn four, lost five. So they're only a game or so better. You know, one victory better than us. They are on 16 points. We're on 15, having played a game more. There's some maths in there. Don't know what it is. But we go above them, presumably, if we beat them. If they lose to Spurs this midweek. Yeah, I mean, they started the season well, didn't they? They were even when they they drew some games, they were playing really well, and then they've had a very poor run. But then they did beat Everton. Yeah, it's, it, they've had that thing. They probably will stay up. Um, I think they will, to be honest. But there are worse teams. Yeah, they've uh, they're in that honeymoon period of Premier League, aren't they? And you do look at them and you see what's happened to us this season and the whole second season syndrome thing that'll get that'll get thrown at them next season. But they've done fine, haven't they? They have. They're a decent team. In fairness, the two years we were in the Championship with them, they were one of the better teams in there, weren't they? And they always looked. <laughs> They always looked fairly well equipped for the Premier League as well. I thought like the style of play and stuff always seemed like it would probably translate all right if they did manage to get up, and it does seem to have done. So I guess I guess fair enough. It just seems like the the reality of the Premier League. You know how it's kind of bit for us a little bit this season. It's biting for them now after the, they had the bright start, but then there's that kind of drag where you just you seem to lose quite a lot of games. Mm. You know, like we've we've played fourteen and we've lost five of them already. So so out, you know out of the fourteen games we've played, we've not won eleven. That's why it's felt like a real drag this season, hasn't it? Even think, though it's, it's probably, if you keep that sort of form up, then we'll be all right. But it's not exciting, is it? I think probably losing 3-1 away at Burnley for Brentford will have been a game where they've been like, oh no. I think they lost yeah. to Norwich as well, didn't they? They did. I feel like, I don't know, you guys are confident they're going to stay up. But I feel like if you lose to Norwich... Yeah, yeah it, does, it does leave uh, it on the table, doesn't it? Yeah, It's a bit worrying, yeah. All you need is a bad run of form, as we've, as we've seen, that you can leave yourself down there. I guess the danger is, for the clubs that are down in the bottom three, is that they get, you know, other teams pull away from them. And like Burnley have got a couple of games in hand, but you have to say Newcastle have got a huge challenge on now. Having not, it's December and they've not won a game, and I don't think anybody's ever escaped from that position before, having not won the first fourteen games or whatever. So has anyone ever spent a billion pounds in January before? Uh, no. But who, who or what are they going to spend it? Yeah, on? that's that? the thing. I was reading as well that they've they've sort of shelved plans to appoint a sporting director for January, so they're going to be potentially spunking a load of money without anyone kind of leading who's going to be actually signing oh, them Eddie, which, Eddie Howe in charge of your transfer policy which has always gone well <laughs> just him who's, who was the uh, person who signed up from Liverpool for like 20 million Solanke, Solanke yeah. yes could get him in Another yeah. 20 just signed everyone from Liverpool in the Jordan I who becomes their club now but. I mean Newcastle is a different proposition to Bournemouth in terms of you know it's much higher profile but they're in a really difficult bind in that being bottom who's going to want to join them now apart from people who want an absolute shed load of money I was going to say there's someone Someone yeah, but wants, there's, no, want the cash. there's no. Very, oh, there are very few professional footballers that in the Premier League that are going to see that as an attractive proposition. Now, mm. it's going to be somebody who's going to say, "Well, I'll tell you, okay, then I'm, I'm prepared to go down and then get promoted again." So you, you, you're shopping in a particular pool of players, aren't you? There? They should have the decency to just do that. What? Just accept relegation. That's what I think they should do in January. Sell players, if anything. Sell send Maximan to us for. Well, we need more wingers, don't we? Uh, <laughs> Forty million pounds. Which it's too will, much. And I think less than that. Um, and then, then they can go. They can just go down meekly. Is what I think they should do. <laughs> so they can take up one of the places. I wouldn't mind Brentford going down, to be honest. Just because Thomas, you're thinking of Thomas Frank, aren't you? They're not really a Premier League team, are they? I know, I know we. I know we. Can, I know we are going to fall foul of 
Um, uh, people saying, oh, you know. Wanker, entitled wankers. You know, they've no, you can't say that. But just. Look, Angus Kinnear. Look at the Daffodil Angus, Stadium. Angus Kinnear said <laughs> in his controversial programme notes that no one's got a God given right to be in the Premier League, least of all Leeds. And he's right, but it doesn't mean I have to like them being there. Mm-hmm. And I'd just rather they weren't. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the ground. I feel like it's weird no. in that I feel like everyone, everyone's opinion of what the ultimate Premier League teams should be is kind of based upon when you're about 13. <laughs> We'd have Sheffield, like Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, like Sheffield so. Wednesday, that's fine. They can be in. I'd even like Swindon, I think might be all right in there for a bit, or Oldham. Yeah, I'd weirdly think of like Portsmouth as being a Premier League club. Even though Swindon shipped 100 goals when they got relegated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were terrible and weren't in the Premier League for very long at all. And yeah, like Portsmouth now are a million miles away yeah. from it, aren't they? But it's Charlton. Like, when you grew up with a team there, you sort of think, oh no, that's that, that's acceptable. And I think that's why I just can't deal with Brentford in the Premier League because it, it just feels it just feels so wrong. It felt weird when we played them in the Championship at one stage. Never mind playing them in the Premier League. So, and yeah, I mean, just looking at the last game, you know, under seven. I, mean, I assume it was sold out, and still under seventeen thousand. You can't build a new stadium that's that's seventeen thousand to be in the Premier League. Can they expand it? I think they can on one stand, can't they? But they're so hemmed in by three railway lines that there's not a lot of room to do much there. And is there even the demand? Is the question, isn't it? Just, just go down. <laughs> it's easy it'd be for the best it's nothing personal like but anyway they're going to beat us now aren't they yeah well, they wear this stuff like a badge of honour though don't they yeah they do in fairness I don't think I don't think they're massively um, annoying as a fan base or anything oh, just... hmm. <laughs> oh go on no just one or two moments when we were sort of milling around them in the league and just there were some accounts that were just when we got promoted you know just having a little little pops at us about us blowing it and actually we ended up winning the league by 10 points so it was nice to give that that payback and I, and I know that like be sotted. I think we may even follow one another on Twitter. That's their fan channel slash podcast and stuff. Who we were dead reasonable and you know all that when we um, first started following them. But I think somebody in their fold has uh, has gone a bit wild and likes to just start digging everybody out, including us. Oh well. So hopefully they'll they'll <laughs> hopefully we'll beat them and then they'll get really upset. That's all I want. But um, we haven't talked talked properly about Thomas Frank actually. I think he's he's part of the issue with them. Has he been more humble since they've come up or not? I know he was very deferential. I saw a bit of um, Sky Sports News when I got in last night. And he was being very complimentary about um, about Conte because obviously they're playing Spurs this midweek. And he was saying he's one of the world's great coaches and he was kind of, you know, well, hopefully we can get something, which is very on Thomas Frank-like who normally is chewing gum with an open mouth and declaring that they're the best team since sliced bread. I think he did before the playoffs last year say the same thing again where he's like, yeah, we're going to win it. It'll be fine. You, think, you just don't learn. <laughs> it's, mm. I know, and they've got this, I think they're all, the well liked kind of by neutrals because there's this humble club that do everything the right way but then you think well your manager's like the opposite of that isn't it yeah he's just always got I've got, I've got a bad vibe off him <laughs> <laughs> careful <laughs> it's fair to say he's just he's just a bit cringe I find him like his whole laid back long hair middle aged man I don't know I just I, mm. I, I, there's, there's something there's something I feel I feel unsettled by about him I know it's bad to shame people's appearance and you know God's sake, you know, by all means, pick on me. But I think he's keeping his hair long to hide his ears. He's got he's got old man like goblin ears. Have you seen them? They're very long. I haven't, but I'm gonna now. He's got very long ears. Frank ears. Yeah. Let me uh, let me just do some live googling of his of his ears. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Although he's, he's, although he's cupping them on one of these pictures, which is maybe a, unless but, he, unless he's midway through hiding it, he's, <laughs> he's, just, he's just about to pull it around the front. But yeah. you, you do get upset at men with long hair, don't you? Middle aged men in particular. <laughs> He's too—is he too old to have long hair? I don't know. Maybe some people with long hair are still are still pulling it off. He's got a very—I'm um, going to describe what was wrong with him. 
He's like a sort of uh, uh, someone do it. That's not in a, in a way that's not going to get us in trouble. In a way, it's not libelous. Yeah. Okay. He's like <laughs> a teacher who's trying to be like mates with you, even though you're thinking you're about thirty years older than me, mate. This is this is weird. Okay. Is that is that fine? I think so. Okay. Cool. I'll leave it at that. Right, I'm just looking at Brentford now on who scores, which, as you said, is part of our uh, extent of our research. So they've they've. Uh, oh, I don't want. I've got a video from Liverpool auto playing. Go away. But we've got. Um, Loss, win, loss, loss, draw, win. So it's yeah, it's just patchy form, isn't it? Loss to Leicester. Attack through the middle, long balls, playing in their own half. Mm. And they're good at attacking set pieces and aerial duels. What does that mean then? Let's have a look. It means they're gonna head in some corners. Okay. Maybe. Weak at keeping possession of the ball. Would Ponta celebrate, do you think, if he scored? Uh yes, but he'd try and make it out like he was being considerate of the home fans, I think. Do they play three at the back? Is that right? Three five two. What reception will Pontus get? I think he'll get, it, it'll be a bit pantomime. I think I yeah. think he'll get a good reception and he'll he'll go to the crowd to sort of engage with it. Like he'll he'll go on the front foot and like he'll be giving applause to everybody, but he'll get booed during the game <laughs> if he does you know it, something. We've played him before, haven't we? Yeah, it was he fairly, was the Inketia game, wasn't he? Yeah, it was it was actually fairly low key, wasn't it? I think everyone expected there to be a bit more happening, either him mm. trying to make himself the centre of it or trying to you know going over the top with kind of applauding the home crowd and stuff but I think in the end not much happened I've got a lot of love for Ponta still I still hold, I him, I still well, hold really. him in, in really high affection I think I know I know he had the sort of sat on the advertising boards drawing attention to himself thing and he was a bit like that sometimes but yeah I, I mainly have very good memories of him the the sort of the early early days of Pontus, he was pretty much the best thing about us mm. and he was he was entered for a centre back he was hugely entertaining which was watching him celebrate tackles and corners and things like that yeah. was a lot of fun at the time he was he was good fun in a time when Leeds mainly wasn't so yeah. so fair play to him yeah I do like I like him and I like all that side of him maybe it didn't quite fit for Bielsa and that's why he bombed him out unceremoniously mm. you know sold his what he described as his best player at the time didn't he despite that he's got to go if he's not going to toe the line, he's got to go. But I mean, Pontus himself seems quite philosophical about it, apart from banging on about it in that interview <laughs> at Wembley nonstop for about for about ten minutes, having just been promoted with Brenton, uh, Brentford. Sorry, and he's got his Premier League time now, hasn't he? Yeah. As well, I think that was the thing. It felt like when he he didn't go up with us, then didn't go up with Brentford. You were sort of thinking, for his sake, this is maybe a bit of a shame, mm. even if. Um, the team plays for us no no business being in there. <laughs> I do like the idea of him though, because he was so passionate with the fans and he was always kind of trying to rouse the atmosphere and then mm. he's gone and signed for a team with a seventeen thousand stadium. That's <laughs> in London though, isn't it? You get to live in London for a bit, which some people like. How do you think this one's gonna go? There's a lot less pressure on this game, it feels like now, because we beat Palace. Uh, Palace is that the platform now for this game? So that you would hope that when Sunday comes around we're building on what we saw there. Which, you know, we didn't dominate from start to finish, but we were far more convincing and we we're competitive probably for the 90 minutes. And we might have Bamford back. Mm. Well, you'd think he'll at least be on the bench after playing a full game for the for the 23s. Well, so that, that'll that, make a difference. That is the other question. Would you play Tyler Roberts up front again? If Bamford's fit enough, I'd put Bamford in. Right. If we're convinced he's sharp enough. He, he was knackered in the second half, mm. Bamford, of that 23s game. Like, he wasn't meant to play the full 90 and it showed. Mm. So I would, have, I would be happy for Roberts to start and Bamford on the bench. It's just nice to have options again, isn't it? I think exactly. Yeah, just being able to look to the bench and see some grown-ups is nice. I think that you know we, you play Tyler Roberts for an hour and give Bamford thirty minutes or whatever it might be, and it's a it's a good solid sub that you're bringing on, isn't it? Luke Ailing off the bench as well potentially for when we've um, we're having to move Stuart Dallas around, which we inevitably are. Ailing did a nice flop about five minutes <laughs> he in. Did. He was like, "All oh, right, he's back. <laughs> we good. He's not lost it." <laughs> 
having criticised Palace for diving. If and when the pair of them come back, would that put us then to full strength? And Robin Cock. Cock, yeah. Keep forget poor Robin. Mm-hmm. Keep, I've seen more comeback videos from him than yeah. They keep posting them down yeah. there on Instagram. Hundreds of them, yeah, nearly there. Did you see his little um, his little raffle giveaway yeah. thing he was doing? <laughs> and <laughs> Click got involved. <laughs> yeah, that was nice on the was on Instagram, wasn't it? That thing. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You kind of forget we own Robin Cock, don't you? Because he spent so much time injured since we've signed him. But I did. I genuinely had forgotten about him. Then so sorry, <laughs> sorry, Robin Cock. How do you think this one's going to go? I think I, I did predict four points from these three games so I, I suppose I have to say we're going to lose you don't have to you can re- you can revise it you're allowed to change that's the beauty of this it's football isn't it you can make it up as you go along I think we'll draw I, think? I said after Brighton I'd take five from nine mm. so the, a draw would take it up but I don't know after Palace I just feel a lot more relaxed and feel like I can go to Ellen Road on Sunday and try and enjoy it whereas last night it was getting there and just thinking God I hope we don't lose <laughs> I think the other side of this is you, you look at teams like Palace and Brentford and to an extent Brighton but Brighton like you said they they might have a bit of a number on us when Graham Potter's there they're all just in this middling group of Premier League clubs some of whom are slightly better than others on the day every day where Brighton are concerned but there's nothing to fear from this is there shouldn't be why are you so worried (laughs) just cause let's not bully you into being positive no exactly uh, exactly come on be be even more negative let me be miserable we'll scrape a point why (laughs) With a shit performance. <laughs> why, why so fearful, Michael? Just because I, I don't think we're fully in gear yet. And I feel like on the day, most teams could probably take us in our current state mm. because we're not, we've not been brilliant at any point. But, but nor have Brentford been, clearly, because they've lost loads of games. Yeah. So. And we might be brilliant on Sunday. That's the thing. There's always a chance that it will click. That is true. You know, we've made it this far in the season without being really convincing and we're sort of floating around lower mid-table. Be all right. That's If you think we'll win. I think... I, don't, I see no reason to doubt this team. I love them all dearly and I've got confidence in them. Rob? Yeah, a nervy win, I think. I'm confident. How, no, how Dallas nervy, winner, maybe. How nervy is nice. it going to be? Very. This is Tyler Roberts' day, isn't it? How many, how many days have we said that? Well, what's his, he's got like one is it one in 44 or something like that, his, his goals. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one Premier League goal, isn't it? Something mm. like that, yeah. Which was at the end of last season when he had about four attempts at it against Southampton. <laughs> I mean, he's not he's not looked near to score. He didn't look near to scoring the other day, did he? Against um, against against Palace, but against Brighton, I mean, he had a few uh, a few shots. He just works really hard last night, Roberts. I remember watching mm. him again. I can't remember if it was against Leicester, but there was a moment where he, he did his thing, where he did a nice turn and then gave the ball away. But then straight afterwards, Stuart Dallas was on the floor and managed to win the ball and get it to a Leeds player. And you think that's what you need—just a bit of like bloody mindedness. Mm. And I think last night, and maybe with Bielsa's comments about him needing to, as long as he's fighting for a place here then he's happy, he can stay under me I think yeah maybe he's just got a bit more attitude to now hopefully after last night so Tyler Roberts hat-trick in a win <laughs> yeah now I, th- I view these results almost on a I guess it's like a spectrum now rather than you, you've either got the loss the draw or the victory but my, my view kind of it's somewhere along the scale if you like so I'm sort of I'm about I'm soft win territory <laughs> at the minute right that's, what, that's how I feel given, two points yeah given the current state of mind and the confidence levels and the fact that people are returning I'm kind of veering towards the idea that at some point it clicks um, like it did in the first half against Spurs but if we can build on the victory against Palace I'm sort of yeah I'm about two points is, is about where I am and that's a good description what about you? I'm probably similar I was looking today at the goals in our games recently you have to go back to the Liverpool game and still since someone scored more than two goals in a game so yeah but I don't really see that changing the way we play and so I think it'll be a low scoring you know, two, cl- two clean sheets on the bounce as yeah. well let's not forget that that we are building something like we've tightened up at the back 
I mean, the Brighton game, they had some <laughs> really, really good chances. Yeah, but they didn't score, though, did they? And Benteke should have. Didn't score, though, did he? No, but should have done. So? The chances in every game. Yeah, I know. I and know. Spurs' I goals were so fluky. This is just how it works. Sometimes yeah. you get lucky. Sometimes you're unlucky. Okay. So... I'm not. I'm not willing to pat us, pat ourselves on the back for brilliant defensive performances and include Brighton in it. Last night, I thought actually we were we did do pretty well. There was just the Benteke chance, and giving away one chance in a game isn't actually that bad. But against Brighton, it felt like they on another day would have, if it wasn't Brighton because they never score on another day, another team would have had about four in that game. So we're both soft win. What are you going for? Soft. Can I have a soft draw, or is a draw just a draw? Is that on the? Side of defeat, or is it on the side of victory? I'm not sure. It's a one, uh, one point two, <laughs> <laughs> which which is still not nearer to victory, is it? So yeah, a a, a solid draw. I mean, Angus Kinnear is talking about you know how we regulate football and stuff, and we should consult the fans. This is what we need to do. We need to change the point system completely, so you can get one point two points. You can get two points. It's fine, isn't it? If you get one point two, does the other team get one point two? Or do they have to? Not point eight, I think. For I was going to say if you've got a, if you've not, if you've been the worst team in a draw, you get less. Yeah, so than the, was, the so, better so team. Brentford get not point eight points. We get one point two. Okay, everyone's happy. A nice decimal sort of league <laughs> table. Yeah, points all over the place. <laughs> Excellent. Much love to Levi solicitors who help us to bring you the podcast. You can get ten percent off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. A reminder, they do all sorts of stuff. Whether you're moving house, loads of people get into that sort of jazz, don't they, in the new year? Um, the house market tends to blow up in January. Have a look at Levi's so you can get 10% off your conveyancing. Or they do loads of stuff for business as well. So if you maybe you've, you've fallen out with your boss... Dispute resolution. Yeah, you've got to go on telly to tell everybody you've not fallen out with your boss. I, mean, I don't know if they could encourage you to do that or what, but they do do personal and commercial dispute resolution. Could be useful. And it'll be 10% cheaper than for all the other folks because you've gone through us. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for full details. The third part of the show is where we do heroes and villains. We pick the good and the bad from the last seven days. The first half of this is the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. Uh, So this has kind of taken on two different characteristics. We've got the stuff we received from our subscribers post-Brighton, which is not necessarily as jolly as the stuff that we receive post-Palace, which is fine. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of feedback to get through here, so should we do it quite quickly? <laughs> I think we'll have to. Let's let's pick on, I mean, Pawson just because. He gets the, on the, the ref, yeah. Yeah, quite a lot for Furpo, all obviously from the Brighton game. Yeah, Connor, Aiden, Ender and Hilton among the uh, the nominee, uh, nominate, nominators? Nominators, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah lots for them. Uh, Jamie Redknapp got a number as well for trying to stir up the Calvin Bielsa spat, mm. which I think is fair enough. We're going to talk about that a bit more as well uh, with Phil Hay on the Phil Hay show this week, so look out for that um, towards the back end of the week. Lilac got some. Yes. As a colour. you like that, As a colour, as a kit. Um, Phillips says, uh, give us a vivid away kit, not the watery piss lilac one. <laughs> I just, it's strange, isn't it? I, I think I may have even said it at the start of the season when these kits were shown, like we've got white and blue and then lilac, which seems to be somewhere between the two. It's uh, There's no, not enough contrast there, isn't it? But it has provoked a response apparently from the Premier League, as it always tends to be. It's when Leeds do something, then we'll actually act on it, which is consulting people from a, um, a colourblindness point of view, because it was a difficult watch. I'm not colourblind, but fix it. Give us a yellow awake. That's all we want. Sally March got a nomination for having a ridiculous name. Which seems is, fair. <laughs> seems absolutely fair. And also the fact he nearly scored within seconds. Uh, Robert Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, for getting in the way of 
Tyler Robinson's shots and providing yeah. uh, improving Moscow right. See what Gouldie says as well. Such a character. Such a character. Yeah. Graham Potter gets well. He sort of gets two nominations. Where Wisconsin Todd uh, nominates him because he's he thinks he's overrated because he's English and minimally competent. <laughs> he looks like he might play keyboards in a bad prog rock cover band. I could imagine Thomas Frank being in the same band actually. Mm. That's a good show. I'm trying to think of what other managers would be joining him now. Put together, we'll put together a managers band. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I suspect he takes as much satisfaction out of rocking the pitch wheel on ELP's lucky man as he does perennially fielding a team with no strike threat. And and Potter related, uh, Danny Mills through the dumpsters is one of the um, <laughs> is his username on it. But he's annoyed with himself for seeing how Brighton play and kind of wanting Leeds to get Potter. So presumably doesn't think he's overrated. Strange mixed thoughts. And that's a villain nomination for both sides of that argument, right? Fine. All right. Um, yeah, he's nominated himself for thinking it. All right, okay. Trossard gets nominations as well. <laughs> Trossard for being a Peaky Blinder wannabe. Cockalorum. Mm. Like that. Just a Belgian Dennis Wise. That's uh, <laughs> Mad Ken, who's, uh, who's put that one forward. Very bright and shout out for Victor Orta as well from Joe. A terrible hit rate on his signings. What has he seen in Furpo? The second half of the Palace game. <laughs> Presumably mm. is the answer to that, he would say. Yeah, the South Coast. Gary's asking... If playing on the South Coast has the London curse spread, we said it's London by the sea. Southampton as well. That, yeah. was, that was very bad. Known as what by the sea? What's Southampton known as? Um, Portsmouth by the sea. <laughs> That's also by the sea, isn't it? Yeah. Correct. The whole team got nominated. Philip and Baps McGinty nominated them uh, in the wake of Brighton. These, it, these are the questions being asked. Are we losing our mojo and enthusiasm for the system? And Probably not, I don't think. Oh, I, uh, They're digging me out now as well. Uh, sinking feeling who's obviously very cheery hates my optimism on the Phil Hayes show just stop no I, I will never I will never stop being optimistic and Rick who uh, was having a go at me which we mentioned at the start of propaganda wasn't it says I'm trying to make this like fucking talk sport in Rick's words no I'm not shut up um, <laughs> Rodrigo got nominations uh, Roger and Soldier Wilson uh, well Soldier Wilson despite this being the villain section says not a villain but so disappointing. That was uh, mentioned by somebody, I can't remember who it was now where, and where I saw it, but we, maybe we should just say, like, we're disappointed in you. There's a disappointed section, like a subset of the Villain of the Week mm-hmm. award. Yeah, I have seen that chance back and why didn't he just sweep it? It's not great, foot. is it? There's just no need for it to, him to even be involved in his right foot there. Just side foot, left foot, straight into the corner. Absolutely no problem. Yeah, I don't it. know why he didn't take that first time. I think I, I last night, having seen it live, I thought it was a harder chance than it was. But yeah, no excuse. Fine. Brighton fans get mentioned by Zach Webby. Yeah, he but did. Um, why the, were they booing? They're eighth. I know, I know. And uh, Graham, I mean, Graham Potter is soon to receive hero nominations for calling them out for the booing, <laughs> which is uh, which is equally fair, I think. Chris nominated football for wanting football to be fun again. That was in the wake of Brighton. It got fun again, didn't it, in the 93rd minute last night? So that's fine. Um, on to the post-Palace nominations then. Who have we got? Kevin Friend, yep. He's a character, according to Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gallagher got a few as well for whinging mainly and, and a bit of diving I think <laughs> so just on Gallagher sorry Tom said uh, he constantly dived and he looks like Jimmy Bullard's love child have Levi's on standby <laughs> which links him to J- Jody Morris as well yes so guilty by association <laughs> uh, yep that's fine if we're going to nominate other old midfielders Michael Brown for um, on BBC Sport apparently saying that Palace were very very unlucky that the handball was given for the penalty yeah Jam picked which, that one out thank you Jam which it wasn't the at hand all. Was, I mean, like Patrick Vieira said, it was a penalty. The hand was like his arm was fully extended. You right. can't if you if you're allowed to handball it in that way, you should always just jump with your arms in there because you you massively increase the chances of stopping a header. I will say, if you go back and watch the Amazon Prime coverage of that, 
I say I watched like the, just the last sort of 10 minutes last night. If you watch it from the penalty being given through to the final whistle, just how sad. What's his face? Got go 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 who who gave the penalty away? Mark. I don't even know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mark Gooey. <laughs> Mark Gooey. Big G. Uh if you look at his face, just as it, the camera keeps cutting back to him, how sad and disappointed he is. <laughs> With himself? Yeah. Just Excellent. the whole you That's can tell good. just the whole situation. He's you can see him just internally just stewing over what's happened. Stewing. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely love it. Um Ayu got picked out by James Tom Roger. Yeah, and and on the same theme really, Zaha for those the pair of them for diving. It was interesting actually, I didn't put any clips of it in, but I was saying last night that I want to criticise Zaha for diving and being a general pain in the arse and a moaning bastard um, and got a load of Palace fans laying into me. They were actually having a bit of a go at him. He was Palace fans? Palace fans. They referred to him as a little bitch um, and told him to man up oh. on some of the clips I, I heard of um, of him. One of them was particularly annoyed. He was like, Dallas has won the ball. Just stop moaning and get on with it. I was like, oh, good. You've, you're seeing what we all have see now. Have them clips by any chance? <laughs> Not we worth can... it, is it? Do, do it in the return fixture. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's good to see that um, I like Zaha's Tom. now getting shit for his own Yeah, well, Tom's comment actually says Zaha isn't even half as good as he thinks he is. I mean, he's, he's clearly a talented player. There's some nice uh, stuff he did, like good footwork, I thought. But then Stu just kicked him and kicked the ball away. Headed the ball away, didn't yeah. he? On the floor. Yeah, Gary Kelly levels of uh, header in that, wasn't it? Mm. And I did enjoy this one from this no-named person who says, if Zaha doesn't get villain of the week, then this whole fucking thing needs shutting <laughs> down. What a massive fucking cock womble that moaning prick is. Correct. That sums it all up, basically. Amazon, yeah, no business making us kick off at 8.15. Is it right what um, LUFC stats said, that that's our latest ever goal that we scored last night at six minutes past ten? He seems to think it's the latest goal we've ever scored in history. I can't think of any others. Unless I'm, we had I'm, a European game that a went European to extra... Away, Has, no European games gone to extra time? We must have had games that have gone to extra maybe, time. Maybe before. a league game. We'll, we'll, we'll have a league. Maybe a league game, yeah. I'm not prepared to try and verify myself. <laughs> I was going to say, we've, we've, we've had cup games go to extra time that surely have gone on beyond Probably. then. Don't shoot the messenger. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, well, I am doing because I think it was the stat was probably a league game. Ender picked out John Champion and Ali McCoy. Was it John Champion on the commentary? I thought it was Drury. I actually don't know. I've not. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't sat next to me. Either way, it was good because I, well, I mentioned on over on Propaganda, I like the commentator, and I was I was sure it was Peter Drury. I like McCoy for just sounding like he's enjoying what he's watching, which mm. is kind of a rarity among football commentators. Uh, you see, they've picked out the for the most fucking insipid commentary during the Palace game. That's what Ender says. Whereas I like that more sort of standoffish commentary because I did mention over on Propaganda, if you've seen it, I did say it was Drury. I thought it was Drury, but it was, uh, if it was John Champion, my apologies. But I enjoyed that kind of just stand back and let things unfold. It's, it's the right way to commentate. It's better than having pointless stats thrown at you all the time or crap anecdotes. Not having four people commentating on the same game. It's like, I don't need to hear all these people. Although they did go to uh, Clattenburg, didn't they, around the yeah. penalty? They cut back to Clattenburg in the studio. What was it, Mark? Why have Amazon built their own studio? No one else has. You know, did you notice it last night? Well, I couldn't miss the fucking thing. It's massive, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, no one else has. Everyone else has managed it. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but the angle of the windows where it was built in the uh, in the southwest corner, the angle of the windows, you couldn't see all the pitch from that. You'd have to either go right into one corner and sort of lean out, or watch it on telly. Just watch it on Prime on a delay. Yeah, in the within the box. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, they got they got Amazon got a few nominations. Uh, Aiden, absolute wankers for the eight fifteen kickoff. Yeah. Why was it eight fifteen as well? Well, so, so they can play the seven thirty fixture, and then what? What will happen is they get more views. I think that way, so they can say well, we've got this many Premier League viewers. So you can watch the first half of one, and then you're likely to flick over and watch the start of the other one, and then you get two views out of each viewer. I think maybe I don't know. You used to work in telly advertising. I know, but it, it would have made more sense. Not if that they're advertising. 
if they staggered them properly so you could watch both, it would have made sense. But having them so you can't watch a full game just seemed weird. I'm sure um, there's some reason behind it. They seem to be doing all right, don't they, Amazon, to be fair? Amazon, yeah, yeah they're I doing they're, fine. Yeah. I, think they're, I think they're they're all right. They're going to space and stuff, aren't they? So. <laughs> Amazon as a whole. Yes. Yeah. Yes, running the whole thing from there where there are no taxes. Um, niche complaint from Joe about the cop toilet users. Folk are walking to the cop toilets <laughs> through the exit door. Yeah, it happens a lot. I feel like I'm playing Takeshi's Castle at times. Takeshi's Castle is a great reference. <laughs> um, with doors being sprung back in my face at an alarming speed. Yeah, fine. Happy with that. Uh, Patrick Vieira gets a nomination. Um, Matt from Munich nominates him <laughs> for his football, his football shaped and sized head. Yep. It is very spherical, is mm. his head. Mm. I didn't notice as much when he was playing. I think it maybe as he's put a little bit of post said, playing weight on, it's it's turned an already round head. Garth Crooks was the same. A young Garth Crooks didn't have a, a such a round head. I know. Old Cal, Garth Cal, well, Carl Pil, Cal Pilkington is always picked out by Ricky Gervais mm. as having a uh, head like a fucking orange, is what he says, like perfectly spherical head. <laughs> And Garth Crooks, I would say, has got a perfectly spherical head. Yeah, not when he was playing. Yeah, it's, it's something that's developed as the cheeks develop in middle age. <laughs> but you get you get the perfect sphere. Good old jowls, eh? And um, Angus Kinnear gets a nomination for his uh, program notes. Mm. Shock, uh, shock horror owners and executives wouldn't want to be regulated. No. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what we were saying. Uh, and the nameless one says, uh, I wonder what Bielsa would think of those comments. Particularly in light of the fact that um, Bielsa was speaking about football being commodified even more and more and it getting worse as a result. That someone has chosen to submit these comments without a name. Uh-huh. Could it be Bielsa? I think so. I think it probably is. When he's not fighting Calvin Phillips, he's he's sending in mean notes about the management of the club. Lorne, Lorne is having to dig at Bielsa though for his reluctance to try something a little different. Last night against Palace from about 65-70 minutes we were crying out for a change up front that never came. Joffrey had more touches collecting the ball uh, for our numerous second half corners than Roberts got in the entire half. 15 or 20 minutes of Joffe would have maybe given them something else to think about. We got lucky in the end with the pen. Not that I'm too bothered we won. Well, I was kind of, I was looking at Gellhart quite a lot over on the side, just thinking, like, is he is he ready to come on yet? Because it did feel it, like it was crying out as, for a, a bit of saw, something different. As we saw against Wolves, he's got that ability just to pick the ball up and cause trouble for people running through the lines, hasn't he? And he just likes shooting early as well, which... I don't. It feels like Roberts wants a decent chance to shoot. Whereas, like we saw Gellard have a couple against Spurs, didn't where he just he just takes shots on early and he, he sees the chance quickly. I think in a way that maybe even that in a, even in a way that Bamford doesn't, to be honest as well. Mm. Like in that he just his first thought is always trying to score goals. Mm. Yeah, I don't feel like we can give Bielsa a fill another week. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not really disappointed with him either. You know, well, the end justifies the means, doesn't it? And Will Hughes got a nomination as well. Didn't do anything. This is from uh, Brian. Just having to look at his stupid blonde derby head. Yeah, was Will Hughes? The, he looks a bit like he looks a bit like a ghost, doesn't he? Yeah, he's very, he's a, he's a very, a very pale did, boy. Particularly when you, you know, put him into the derby kit as well, which is monochrome. Did you know he played for Palace until he came on? No, nope. that was a nice little. He was at, well, yeah, he's he was at Watford for a while, wasn't he? As yeah, well. I feel like I feel like Watford to Palace is a move no one notices. Yeah, that's a fair. People just be like, "Wow, what you much?" Well, actually, if you got up a pub quiz and said, and the question was, "What is Will footballer Will Hughes's current club?" You go, "Who?" <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird he's still playing. it. Mean, he was like Grayson era playing for Derby, wasn't he? As a as a youngster. Mm. So, right there's your candidates. Bill of the week. I'm tempted to buy Redknapp most because he's so annoying, mm. and I don't like being mean about our players. Well, we could give it to to Zaha either. Oh, although he he was pretty unsuccessful, so. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't really upset us so much as just been a mild irritant. Yeah, if he'd been good, it'd been more annoying. Yeah, because the, there's this narrative being sown, isn't there, that, that Calvin has had to nip in the bud with a post-match interview. Um, and it's people like Redknapp who have caused that 
narrative to be sown. That's the thing, you've seen it grow and grow and grow to the point where Phillips was saying, even Leeds fans are asking him about it or saying that he's had a falling out with Bielsa mm. and it all just comes from Jamie Redknapp not understanding football mm. and not seeing that Calvin Phillips has played in a back three loads of times before. Mm. Yeah. Is, he, is he having it then? Yeah, I don't see why not. Can, what, can we hear from his dad? <laughs> he's a top, top, top pundit. He just said something like that. Thank you. I didn't, get, I didn't get enough wobble then. No. Do you want to try again? No. You need, you need some got, Patrick Vieira cheeks, don't you? I, I don't actually feel very well today. So I've got a bit of a headache. And, so I'm not going to do it again. It was a mistake. <laughs> like so many things. Right, let's do the, the Gitano Barati Hero of the Week Award. Uh, nominations for... Let's, well, let's have a look. All the Leeds ones, first of all. Roberts, Melier, uh, Leeds fans. Forshaw gets a lot. Gary Speed, of course. Dallas, Rafinha, Dan James, Strout, Cooper for a uh, for a variety of different reasons, all fairly self-evident. I think. I think. I mean, Rob, the Roberts ones are all from Brighton, admittedly. Yeah. Which when we say from Moscow, <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's possible. Actually, yes, a number of, of well, pseudonyms. But the, there's such there. an irony that Sean has said Tyler because we need to hear a giddy Moscow, so we could give it to Roberts in the absence of Moscow, just to spite him. Could do. Let's see. Let's see how we get on with it. Melier gets loads of nominations as well. Philip nominates him for having really, really long arms. And that was after... Arms like rakes. That was after Brighton, but I think they were the long arms were key yesterday, weren't they, in, in dragging that one back from the line. I've watched that so many times, and the... It still goes in, doesn't it? And the number of goalkeepers... Th- I'm trying to think back of all the goalkeepers we've had. <laughs> and I'm not sure anyone else gets to that, including like Nigel Martin, who's probably the best goalkeeper I've, I've seen play for I mean, Leeds. Jordan Pickford with his little T-Rex arms. Not a chance. And Paddy, the, the Paddy fact- Kenny's not even diving, is he? No, he's not even turned around it. by that. Just, wa- just watching it in. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that he's in the wrong direction, manages to spin around, and he, he does it because he's had to grab it in a panic as well. He's actually, he sort of, t- he has two goes at catching it. Yeah. But because he's so quick and long-limbed, he's able to do it and still keep control of the ball. So yeah, he's uh, he, he's possibly our best player this season, is Melier. Yeah. I'd say he's, he's probably been the most consistent. Rafinha? Yeah, maybe Rafinha. He's doing all right. <laughs> He's doing fine. He's doing fine. Uh, what did he, did Rafinha get his nominations for? The dance? The goals? Threat all game? I mean, Islo Paul did criticise him actually um, for not for doing the skip yeah. on the penalty as well. Yeah, that, his heart yeah, can't take it. Nearly killed all of <laughs> <so. laughs> like, no. <laughs> so that's what I was saying last night about those, you know, when you have a thousand thoughts run through your brain in that split second when stuff like that's happening. And it was torture. It was like being bombarded by doubt and paranoia and fear and so when everyone went silent as well yeah mm. we didn't need that <laughs> on the uh, on that same the penalty actually Adsham nominated North East Corner bloke so special mentions <laughs> of the bloke in the North East Corner who broke the silence from Rafinha stuttered with what are you doing you knobhead just before the ball <laughs> hit the back of the net brought back my happy memories of Lofsoga Garrett Box you fat character character yeah etc yeah I had the same thought like no no just kick it but he kicked it in and that's the important bit he did indeed Nice mention for Dan James from Adsham. Well done, you little scum bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, thought he had, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, it was, he did it was. so much work and it, uh, in terms of his decision making, it feels like that's getting better. I particularly enjoyed the knock it past the man and run past him like a like in the school playground kind of vibes. He's like, he had the number of Joel Ward. He knows, he knows he's faster than him, so he's just going to kick it past and get on it. Admittedly, he'd kick it into touch at one, on one occasion, but never mind. He did put it on a plate for Rodrigo as well, didn't he? So, he should be allowed to count that as an assist. And, and beating people, as you are the coach within our cohort, as good isn't it running past people? Mm. Should, should we do that more? Because then they're behind you and you, you're on your way to the goal. Mm-hmm. And they, they can't stop. If, the, if they're not between 
you and the goal can't do anything. You could run towards it then, can't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You've just got a clear run then until someone else comes. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go past them as well. Um, just rounding up the other ones then, who else we got? I mean, Forshaw gets plenty as well for his uh, his midfield antics. Anything in particular there that we need to single out or was it just his overall brilliance? A gift from God, he's described <laughs> as. Which is a gift from Rob Price, should we say, at least. But um, yeah, Ender just saying, imagine coming back from to playing at such a high level after two years out with an injury. And it is fair enough. I think everyone is amazed by how, how well he is. And Dry Raptor is not. <laughs> <laughs> I think even he is probably thinking a little bit like, we'll go away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just the, the level of fitness he seems to have as well. I think that's the thing. He would be, I think we would all forgive him if he looked absolutely knackered after an hour of playing as he is. That he's putting, you know, as we we gasp two, walking two, up the stairs, two two really <laughs> good energetic performances within a few days of each other, and it's yeah, it's amazing. I'm in a weird way. I, I'm partly wondering if this is if his injury might do him good in the long in yeah. the long run. I'm sure he would say I agree with that. Yeah. But because it, I don't know, I feel like it, people appreciate him more now, and maybe he's more focused than he was before. Maybe that's completely unfair. I don't know. Having no, I know, I know what you mean. Like, having had to having had to really work for it to get back to this if he's like he's now, been, if, if he's, he's now desperate to take his opportunity staring down the barrel of it being taken away from him for two years so to come back with, he's, he's going to feel free isn't he like it's just brilliant I mean he's run over 12 kilometres I've just done the maths on that that's seven and a half miles he's running yeah know? and it's not a jog either yeah, no, it's, no, no. it's a constant sprint as well he's playing in our midfield and he's come back having to play a higher level than when he got injured as well mm-hmm. which must have made it so much harder yep uh, Potter gets nominations for putting the boring Brighton fans back in their box. I think fair enough. Not going to be a hero for me, but yep. Uh, and Dan M, this is not me, but says Potter is a Solihull legend telling his own fans to fuck off. Future Leeds manager, question mark. <laughs> Would you take Potter in years to come? I don't know, maybe. It's hard to say because they never scored any goals. Yeah. The problem is it's one of those things that if he, if Brighton got a striker and was suddenly really good, probably scum would take him or something. Mm. Then, we, <laughs> then we wouldn't get him. It'd be a gamble that we can provide him with. Tyler Roberts. Right, let's um, pick a hero of the week then, please. I don't think Dallas had enough um, enough praise there, actually. Okay. For the um, Aiden, for not, not letting that cheating fucker Zaha have a sniff all night. <laughs> yeah. So that that was fair enough. And he, he was he was just brilliant. Uh, Soldier Wilson describing him as the beating heart of LUFC, pretty much a saint. He is. He was great. He's been great for the last couple I've, of games, hasn't he? I've really enjoyed him getting back to his best mm. after a slow start to the season. There's a picture, Adam Forshaw posted a picture on Instagram last night of... Um, the moment Rafinha scores the penalty and you've got Forshaw in one side looking like Stuart Pearce at Euro 96 and then at the other side Dallas is just leaping into the air <laughs> into shot which is brilliant. Yeah, Matt from Munich for uh, being an all-round fucking superstar and cupping Rafinha's bollocks. I was, he, he, had, he, he had the bollocks to touch Rafinha's bollocks and I imagine it's a brave man who does that. I wouldn't encourage it generally. It mainly will be considered a sexual assault but mm. I think that between them there was an understanding it was fine. Yeah. So <laughs> just know who you're cupping. Yep. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Always get permission. <laughs> right. Hero of the week. I'd be tempted by Dallas, I think. He was really good last night. He was all right against Brighton. He saved us from Furpo moving to left back. That um, is true. So yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted by Dallas. Mm, I think Melier's in with a good shout. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted Melier. It's a tough one, isn't it? It is genuinely a tough one this week. Trying to work, trying to work out who has more directly won us points. I mean, we definitely wouldn't have drawn at Brighton without Melier. It does feel like he is going under the radar a little bit as well. Like you've said, that he is a contender for player of the year if it wasn't for Rafinha, maybe. Mm. Should we go Melier this time? Yeah. Okay. Melier with, with a certificate of uh, commendation for, for Stuart Dallas. Well, Stuart Dallas gets chance. Melier doesn't have any chance, does he? No. So this needs to even it up a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. There are certain names that just don't scan into chance or don't immediately seem obvious, and he needs one. What rhymes in Melier? Not we, easy. We need a Mon Bebe chant, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's leave that one with the listener slash viewer, and if anyone, anybody can think of anything, then come back to us. But it'll, it, what you tend to find with these is it tends to be like a full song that's out there. What you need is something simple and that you can repeat. It'll actually be France's number one, won't it? Yeah. That's what that's what will be sung at him at some stage, probably. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll go away and we'll think about that, see what we can come uh, come up with. So there you go, Meliate, Hero of the Week, wrapping up the uh, the weekly show for this week. More of the same next week after we've uh, we've beaten Brentford, Michael. Mm. 1.2. 1.2 <laughs> points. Uh, nice one, Rob. Right, well, we'll catch you in a bit. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.